Alternative Radio. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. You are listening to Age of Jeremy. I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm the co-founder of Age of Radio and 3T Fitness, and, well, other businesses that I am working on. This podcast is about everything that I learn and the trials and tribulations it took to learn them. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for tuning into the Age of Jeremy today. This episode is recorded on December 22nd, and you'll be hearing it on December 23rd. And this is your place for personal finance tips, investment tips, wealth tips, tax planning tips, starting a business, growing your business, marketing your business, all the shit that I've had to learn along the way I want to take and give out to you for free on this podcast. And who knows, maybe along the way I'll sell you something. But I can tell you this. Unless I'm doing your investments, I'm going to sell you advice. My advice is for free on this podcast for you. And one of the things that I definitely want to make sure that you understand is that the number one way to build wealth is to own operating businesses. And that's... And then, you know, managing your money really well on top of that. And that's one of the main things and is the main thing that I really want to do for everybody that uh, listens to this podcast. And as always, I just want to get started um, by telling you to go and follow me on a shitload of social media sites. You can follow me on Instagram at Age of Jeremy. You can follow me at Twitter on Age of Jeremy Q. That's popping off. I've been putting out freaking posts on that like there's no tomorrow and growing like, I don't know, one person a day, maybe. So it really helped me out if you don't follow me on Twitter. You can also follow me on LinkedIn. I don't have a, a real great LinkedIn strategy right now, but you can follow me on LinkedIn. That is uh, Jeremy Quintanilla. And then my favorite is TikTok, just because I love music. And TikTok you, used to be musical or music, musical.ly or musically or something along those lines. And um TikTok, I love. That's at uh, uh, Age of Jeremy. You can find me on there. And then make sure you follow my business partner, John Vasquez. Crazy old John Vasquez. Actually, he's not old. In fact, he looks younger than I look. And he's probably like uh, seven years older than me, something along those lines. But that's because he gets up every morning at three o'clock on the dot and goes and works out. Maybe even before that now. I should have him on this podcast. I think he's up to like 2.30 now he's getting up and doing stuff. I remember we used to work with this guy. Um, I forgot his name. Jad, I think it was. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. Um, but Jad, and I remember John used to be, everybody used to think John was crazy because he would get up at 3 o'clock and go to the gym and he's in really great shape and eats right and, you know, the traditional, you know, I wouldn't say health nut because I've seen him go, I've seen him go ham on some food before, but like, traditionally he would eat well and, you know, diet and he liked doing, you know, competitions and things like that. But everybody thought it was crazy because he would wake up so freaking early, go to the gym, like every day, three o'clock Monday through, I want to say Monday through Sunday. I don't think he took a, he took a rest day. Right. And so he would go, he would go all, he would go all week. And one of the things that everybody was crazy about, okay, he gets up at 3am. Well, we have this other, uh, uh, district manager at the bank that we worked at, Jad, and he was like, he would wake up at like two o'clock in the morning and do all the shit that he needed to do. I don't know if he worked out, right? He was in good shape. I mean, I think he was a smoker. So I guess besides being a smoker, he wasn't in great shape. I mean, besides being a smoker, he was in great shape where 
you know, I smoked like a chimney for, I don't know, 16 years or something like that. It was crazy. And thank, you know, knock on wood and thank, uh, my, uh, thank Buddhism, thank Buddha, maybe I'm not thanking God, thank Buddha. But I think that I, you know, uh, really spending time and meditating and focusing on personal development have been able to not have a cigarette, I think since for six years now, no, five years, five years this year, six, six years without drinking or seven years without drinking. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is go and follow John Vasquez on TikTok. Coach JV underscore. Follow him on, on Instagram, Coach JV underscore. And then go check out 3T Fitness. That's one of our fitness companies. Well, that is our fitness company. But we're doing lots of other great stuff. We've got a lot of stuff, great stuff in the works, I tell you. Tell you what. That's me drinking my coffee again. I'm hoping that you can hear me slurp it up in the microphone. But if not, whatever. Anyway. Um, so, I... Uh, is there any other social media that I want to tell you to go to? Oh, go to Age of Radio versus Instagram. Been spending a lot of time on the app for Age of Radio because, so here's my thing. I'm putting all of my eggs in a basket and really focusing on engineering and software. And I think even though Age of Radio is a media company, I think there's going to be, uh, we have a plan in place that we're working on that I'm going to roll out and talk to everybody on the board and talk to John about and talk to everybody about, about where I want to take age of radio and the things that I want to offer people. And so, uh, so, so I've been spending a lot of time programming in Java and surprisingly, I decided that I decided that I was going to, I decided I was going to just go ahead and take a, a Java cert. There's a certification class for mobile Android development that I'm going through. And so it, ta- it takes you through Java program one, and then you go through, and then you go through Android development one, and then advanced Android development. And so what I didn't realize is how much Java I was actually comfortable with. And I'm only second weekend. So I'm sure by the time I get to the fourth or fifth week, I'm not going to know what the fuck is going on. But right now I'm comfortably going through this class. I can read the programming I'm doing really, really well because I'm going to have the best app. Age of radio is going to be, is going to take over Spotify, at least with podcasting, maybe with music. The problem, there's a lot of problems that I have with the music, the way that streaming music works and, and how artists are getting fucked excuse my language, but they're getting fucked. And I have a problem with that. I think that if you're creating content and that's your living, there's nothing wrong with paying for it. There's nothing wrong. And a lot of them do their money with shows, but people shouldn't have to be like away from their family for that long to make some money. Go and buy their fucking records. Records are cool, by the way. Somehow again, I don't know how. Cassettes kind of coming back. I don't know who actually listens to them, but I know punk rockers. I know that brand new when they released their last album a couple years ago, they came out with cassettes and neck deep had some special edition cassette tapes that I wish I would have got. That album wasn't that great, but uh, it was cool to see the cassette tapes and the special edition and the coloring on them. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I hope, so what do you guys, I uh, hope you guys are uh, doing a great uh, done with your holiday shopping. Cause it's Wednesday. So that's Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, Eve, Christmas Eve, Eve. I don't know if we should start that as a thing, but since it is Wednesday, what the heck has been going on in the world since the last time that we talked? Well, the number one thing that I want to talk to you about, I'm not going to start with, because I'm going to talk to you about the, the more exciting thing, which is Cyberpunk 2077. Test of a person's true value. Death. Facing, staring it down. Uh, Johnny. I got you. 
tanking. It's neurogenic shock. He's dying. V, you in there? Ah, my head. So what now? Now, you find out what it is you need to do. And the reason why I think this is exciting, the main reason is because it has made actual Market Watch news. And if you don't have a subscription to Market Watch, go and get a subscription to Market Watch. I think it's actually free. I don't know if I pay for Market Watch. I pay for Wall Street Journal. You should get that too. Get the Barons. I don't get any affiliate money for telling you to go because I don't have a link or anything. But go and pick it up. It's a great way to stay informed, especially Market Watch. They give me updates throughout the day. But this one about Cyberpunk 2077, A, I heard an R. Uh, well, so first of all, if you don't know what Cyberpunk 2077 is, it is a game that everybody's been waiting on for many, many, many many years myself included and we own it we own it for our xbox series x we are fortunate enough to be able to get an xbox series x be able to afford an xbox series series x get cyberpunk when it came out i'm very fortunate my wife plays it i haven't had a chance to play it but essentially if you don't know what it is it's a game by cd project red that's the company that makes witcher you might be familiar with witcher they made a show out of it on netflix it's based off of a book series and so Cyberpunk 2077 is one of the most anticipated games for a couple of reasons, <laughs> mainly because Keanu Reeves is in it. So he does all of the stop, the, the motioning for the main character. His name's V. He does the voice, the voice for the, the, the main character. And that in itself makes it freaking fantastic um, because Keanu Reeves is probably the coolest person on earth, in my opinion. Um, not a huge fan of all of his acting. Um, John Wick one through three, of course, a hundred percent. Not a huge fan of the last Matrix. But Keanu Reeves, you know, great guy, um, probably one of the nicest people that anybody will ever meet based off of the people that I've met that have met him. Um, so eh, I hope to meet Keanu Reeves one day or have him be a part of my life, as weird as that actually sounds. But uh, if you don't know what Cyberpunk is, it's a video game. Uh, it is a action role playing video game. Uh, the story takes place in what's called Night City. It's an open world. Uh, it's set in the cyberpunk universe and players assume the first person perspective of a customizable mercenary known as V who can acquire skills and hacking and machinery uh, with with options for melee and ranged combat. So essentially it's a, it's a first person uh, RPG. And um, it looks amazing from what I've seen. Elon Musk has an appearance in it. Um, I don't know if he is Elon Musk in it. I'm not sure. But what has happened was when Xbox and PlayStation announced that they were going to release the PlayStation 5 and the Series X, uh, uh, Sony being the PlayStation 5 and Xbox being the Series X, they realized that they wanted to make sure that it was up to par with those systems. And for whatever reason, when by doing that, it really messed up the fact that uh, the way that the the production value went for the Xbox 
one and the PlayStation 4. And so it has been really glitchy on those systems from what I've heard. And they are recommending to clients, to to their customers, to do a full refund on it and they don't have a problem doing the refund. Um, So I think that this is interesting for a couple of reasons. The fact that how big video games have become um, over the last 15, 20 years and that they're part of the mainstream media. I I mean, I, I guess CD... CD Projekt Red is, it is a publicly traded company, but I just can't imagine anybody giving a shit about Nintendo back in 1995. But again, I was a kid. I wasn't involved with the finance world. I don't know. Maybe Nintendo was all over the news. I just think it's amazing how big that uh, gaming has come, that when a game doesn't perform the way that it should, that it does affect the stock price and that we make news out of it. So I think that that's interesting. So if you have Cyberpunk and you don't know about the glitches yet, if you come across the knee and you have a PlayStation 4 or a PlayStation 5, just go ahead and you can refund it and get your money back. And um, I guess that would be uh, the most important part about that. But I guess the funny thing is if you if you watch TikTok or if you're on TikTok, if you're not, no matter what your age, go on TikTok. There's a lot of funny shit. Um, it's very entertaining. But one of the things about TikTok is that you can change the, the size of the genitals on the characters. And I don't know if that's for both female and male characters. I'm not sure exactly how that works. Again, we own it, but I haven't played it. But um, if you're into RPGs, then I would uh, recommend that you get this one because it's supposed to be really, really good. RPGs, by the way, are my favorite thing. And I think all children, no matter how old they are or adults, should be playing RPGs. Uh, you can get a great social. And, and I'm talking about Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role playing games here now where you're with someone. There's four or five of you around a game table. You're solving puzzles together. You're building fake camaraderie. Well, you're building real camaraderie, but in a fake way. And you're solving puzzles. You're um, learning about math, uh, basic mathematical skills. You're learning about multipliers. I mean, there's just in Dungeons and Dragons, you can start a business and run a business. And there's just Dungeons and Dragons is probably the best game. I play it once a month with my friend. Uh, Alex uh, Arvisu. So I'm going to put his last name on here. I'll probably get pissed off, but go and follow him. He has a great barbecue um, Instagram feed. Let me see what it is here. Uh, Again, don't go and bother him personally. That would really probably piss him off, but uh, something barbecue it is. AZ Backyard Barbecue. So AZ Back B-A-C-K Yard Barbecue. Go and follow uh, follow AZ, a backyard barbecue. He makes some great food. He made us a brisket when we played. Mm, that was freaking bomb. I don't know. Do kids still say bomb? Probably not. All right. What else was happening before I get into the, the fun stuff that happened over the last week? And I'm assuming you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're in for a treat, depending on how much money you make. But before I do that, Apple is going to start making its vehicles again. I guess I, I shouldn't say start making their vehicles again because they actually never made the vehicles. A while ago, they had a plan in place to start developing cars. And there's not too much about this news story, but I just want to talk about it real quick. But uh, supposedly, they are going to be building. Um, they're going to be building a electrical vehicle, and I'm assuming they're going to be building a autonomous electrical vehicle. And it's interesting because Elon Musk came out today um, on the 22nd of December and said that he actually went to Tim Cook once to try to get them to buy 
um, Tesla when uh, Tesla was going through some rough rough patches. And so the problem arises with the car company is you it's a very capital intensive. And so when someone says that it's very capital intensive, it means that it takes a lot of money to have that business keep running. So for the example that they use in one of the articles on whether or not this is a good idea that was released today by Barron's is that is that because it's capital intensive, if we look at Volkswagen, they have de- invested $180 billion. I don't know if that was in one year, over five years, whatever, but they've invested recently $180 billion on their production line, on um, their uh, their employees, their operations, to either make the vehicles better, make them more efficient, whatever the case is. And when we look at Apple, they've only invested in their their projects and their you know facilities and um, operations only about $100 billion, I think it was. And so... When we think about that, it means, okay, well, are we going to take $180 billion plus, right, to go and start this car? Uh, it's to go and build a car to compete with, say, Tesla and, you know, the Audi, Audi e-tron and, you know, the Nissan Leaf, whatever. Um, or are we going to not, is that the best use of our money, especially if you're a shareholder? Now, from a shareholder's perspective, if I was like on the board or a really big shareholder in, in Apple, I'd be like, okay, is this something we really want to do? But from a, just from a consumer perspective, fuck yeah, they do stuff great. Like I don't own any Apple. I'm not a huge like fan of Apple products. Again, if you've ever talked to me or if you listen to this podcast, I promote Microsoft like there's no tomorrow. But if Apple's goal is to build products and services that are easy to use, um, that people like, that they enjoy, Right as part of their mission statement, I think a car would be great for Apple to go and put their money into. They could have they have great uh, they have great engineers already. They can implement their kinds of technologies into it. So I think that the, that's not a bad idea uh, for them to do it and say if they have the money to go and do it. As long as this isn't a way to, if this is a way just to add other revenue, not in a way to supplement any type of revenue or any problems, that wouldn't make any sense. This would just have to be for the sake of let's get into this and see what happens because we have the money to do it. And if we can do it, are we able to do it better than say Tesla? What my guess is if they do put the money into this and they are able to do it well, and they think that this is going to be able to drive a great source of revenue and a great way to diversify, then it makes more sense for them to go out buy Tesla because it would be like their main competitor would be Tesla because Tesla is just an electrical car company Um, and and they have great technology and they're trying to do the autonomous driving stuff. So from that end, it does make sense for Apple to go and buy Tesla if this is something that they want to do. So just make sure that you check that out. Uh, They refer to it as the Apple iCar. You can go check it out on Barron's. You can go check it out on Wall Street Journal. Again, if Market Watch, go sign up for Market Watch um, and and you can get some really good news. A lot of people are very anti-news because of the fear and everything. And I get that part. Don't always just read. Don't just take everything that you read in the news with a grain of salt, but understand it and study it and see if it's something that is valuable to your life and that you can take away. I'm a big fan of the news, mainly because I have a media company, but um, uh, but I think it's really good for people to have that understanding of what's going on in the world. But but what a lot of people do and what a lot of the news does is self-fear. So just take that fear shit with a grain of salt and live your life and be happy. But uh, real quick, we're coming up on, I don't know, 18, 20 minutes here of the show. I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to unpack... Uh, 
unpack the main thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and that is the stimulus package. All right. Welcome back. The memes are going goddamn crazy. And what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is... Everybody is having a problem with the stimulus that we're getting for $600. Do I think that that's enough? Absolutely not. Um, but the memes are pretty fucking funny regarding it, um, especially the fact that other countries have just unloaded so much more money and it's so much more beneficial than what we're doing here. And that's because most of the fucking money is going to the small businesses. So let me unpack this stimulus package. So. Roughly $900 billion in stimulus spending was part of a larger bill of about $2.4 trillion that includes government funding through September of 2021. Okay, so here's some of the highlights. So the biggest news for you as a consumer, if you were a consumer, not a business owner, or if you were both, um, the $600 stimulus checks we're going to be getting, oh, hopefully by the end of this week or beginning of next week or sometime by the end of the year. So Secretary Steve Douchebag or Stephen Munchen has said that the 600 stimulus check should be arriving by next week. That as is of today, so I'm assuming next week means next week um, because the bill was passed, I think, Monday or Monday morning or something along those lines. So... Um, the it also includes contains $300 extra in weekly unemployment benefits for a total of 11 weeks. So if you are on unemployment, then you can get an extra $300 over the next few weeks. So let's talk about that. So does that help? Well, absolutely. It helps. The, the problem is, is that Republicans or conservatives are going to say that that just encourages people to not want to work. And I don't think that that is the case at all. I have met people where that is the case, but I don't think that that's the case for everybody. For instance, like me and my wife are talking about, so the $600 stimulus check real quick to bounce back is if you are single, if you make $75,000 or less, you will get the $600 stimulus check. If you and your wife together make $150,000 or less, you will get the $600 stimulus check. This will be the last year that my, me and my wife are under the $150,000 mark for um, our income. Um, because actually, we actually, yes, that is correct. We will, no, we will be over it this year. So this is based off of 2019. We were under that. <coughs> this has been a good year which is weird because it's been a bad year for a lot of people. And I, you know, greatly, you know, feel for those people. And so the $600 stimulus check for, uh, we will get it because again, it's based off of 2019. Um, so like for us, we're thinking about what we can do with it because we are not necessarily in need of it. We'll probably either give it to family members, help some of our family members, put it into our niece, um, uh, or or whatever the case is, or we might use it to pay some bills off. So it goes, I would just like it not to go to businesses. I would prefer it to go to nonprofits or directly into consumers' hands. But does $600 a week help? And I honestly don't know because it's been a while since $600 has really made an impact. For a lot of people, it does make an impact, but I don't know if it would really help us all out that much. That's why I would prefer it to go to somebody who it has a more meaningful impact to. Um, and that's because we don't specifically need that money. Um, it would just help us stay. It would just help us get further ahead rather than helping someone that's getting set back by this get ahead, of, you know, 
or stay above water or whatever the case is. So one of the biggest, you know, misconceptions that I think people have about Democrats is that we don't work and we don't have money and we just want everybody to have free shit. And that's not the case at all. Um, It's just that we, and the reason why we get wealth is so we can help other people. It's just a non-greed thing, I guess. And I'm not saying all Republicans are like that. I've met tons and tons of conservatives that are very compassionate about their giving and they just have a big problem with giving their money to the government and they don't want the government involved with anything in their life. And I just have different opinion of that. Now, that being said, let's go back to the $300. Um, so the $300 is extra weekly unemployment benefits. Now, I have met people that stay on unemployment so they can get that $300 because they would be getting less money not being on unemployment than being on unemployment. And so um, so I can see there being a problem with that. But from the times that I was on unemployment in my life, I hated being on unemployment. Um, even when I was getting, you know, 800 bucks a week or whatever it was, this was years ago. And so... I, I don't like being on unemployment. I don't like personally being on food stamps. I don't like being on um, getting that type of help. But when you need it, you do get it. You get the help that you need and you get yourself out of that situation. That's how, from my understanding, how most people are with it. But I have met people that aren't that way with it. And so there is kind of a problem and a truth to some of that. Um, the, uh, so then, uh, 300, so that's, that's 11, that's uh, 300 extra in weekly unemployment benefits for a total of 11 weeks. Then there is 325 billion of the relief package going to small businesses with more than 284 billion for a reauthorized paycheck protection program. So if you're a business owner and you don't know what PPP is essentially PPP or paycheck protection program is where you're going to get an SBA, you're going to get a loan from a bank, but through this package, if you meet certain criteria, the, the SBA or the government is going to pay the bank. So you don't have to pay it back to the bank. So it's going to be forgiven. And what, they relied on last time for paycheck protection program was you needed to show that you had employees. You needed to show that the, that you were paying them and they would cover a certain amount of, uh, of salary that you were giving to your employees, plus a certain allotment for other types of expenses. And again, if you're a business owner and you want to know more about that, I, I can I ask you to consult your a um, your uh, financial advisor um, or your CPA or your tax planner. You can also email me at jeremy.quintanilla, so J-E-R-E-M-Y dot Q-U-I-N-T-A-N-I-L-L-A at ageofradio.org. And I would be gladly, and I would gladly happy glad to be, I would be glad and willing to uh, give you uh, any type of advice that I can on the Paycheck Protection Program. So it also includes renter relief, uh, and it contains $25 billion in emergency rental aid and extends a nationwide eviction moratorium by one month, which I think it's pretty fucked up. Okay, let me rephrase that. I don't, I am not a fan, even though I have real estate. And I'm planning on getting more real estate. Um, and I would like to get more into commercial real estate. And I am not a fan of the fact that the fact that people are willing to to have the real estate be their only source of income. Like I don't I don't have a problem, me personally, if if someone needed to if they couldn't make their payment to take that hit. 
right? So like the way that I look at I, I look at the I look at things differently. I would be willing to get hurt, hit and hurt so people someone could stay in their house. And then people are gonna come back and be like, well, you don't know what that's like to have the business and not meet the, the the payment and you have the the bill that you have to pay and you need the money from that because that's where the cash flow comes from. I get how it works. Like my point is is that I would be willing to work with those people to make sure that they are not out on the street. I could not do that and I cannot fathom anybody that would be willing to do that and I don't think that real estate uh, income should be a rental income should be your main source of income. That's just my personal opinion. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that and that's cool. And we're okay. We can disagree on it, whatever. Um, and I'm not saying you're right and I'm not saying I'm right and I'm not saying you're wrong and I'm not saying I'm wrong. I'm just saying that I don't think me personally, I would be willing to do anything that I can and take a large hit and, you know, put my family out to make sure that another person doesn't, you know, go into the streets. And I don't think that anybody that is close in my family that knows me would be willing to do the same. But that being said, there's a nationwide eviction moratorium <laughs> um, by one. Oh, I guess it extends the nationwide eviction moratorium by one month. And I, you know, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, so. So I don't know currently what the nationwide eviction moratorium is at, but it's extending it by one month. And that's my ignorance. So my apologies. Okay. So businesses will see a tax break that lets them write off the cost of meals from their tax bills. So currently for meals, you can only write off, I think 50%. So this must take that to a hundred percent. Um, and then something that president Trump had pushed as a way to help the restaurant industry. Um, so I guess that that helps because businesses can go and eat out more and spread the COVID virus, but then be able to take a hundred percent deduction on those meals. Anyway, um, the bill also includes changes to the earned income tax credit and the additional child tax credit that according to one expert will prevent the tax code from punishing working families with smaller tax credit because they weren't able to work as much in 2020. That sounds good. Um, uh, lawmakers are also have also extended and enlarged tax incentives incentives for Americans to make charitable donations next year. And it looks like president elect Biden is going to be continuing to do, to do more with that. So if you're a consumer, I guess the big takeaway is 900, uh, $600 a month. And I think it's $600 per child, um, that is dependent on you. So I think that that, so if I, if I look at all of that, I think that it's, it's, it's a, a good place for us to be going into the end of the year, but I don't necessarily know if it's going to have this, the impact that we want to have on it. Um, mainly my, because the fear always is, is, is we're flooding the country with more money. And so the thought process is inflation is going to go up, but who gives a shit if we're able to help people, you know, stay alive and eat and live and, you know, um, be working. So I don't personally see a problem with any help. That's the reason why we pay taxes. And the reason why we have the government in the first place is for when things like this happen, we can do things about it. Uh, and hopefully we can get the vaccine under control, especially since uh, apparently there's like a new, uh, 
and I haven't read up too much on it, but apparently there's a uh, like a, a spread or the the vaccines kind of the vaccine the disease is uh, changing and there's a new strain of it starting. So um, we're in for quite a fight with this bitch, um, and we're gonna need all the money that we can to to slow this down. Um, so. Yeah, so you know, hopefully that helps you. Hopefully that money's coming to you next week. Um, maybe you're in a position where you don't need that money, and if you don't need that money, and it's not really going to help, I you can't really give it back. I don't think. Maybe they'll let you give it back, um, but I encourage you to give it and use it where it's needed to help other people. I don't think that there is anything wrong with being a um, a capitalist in. Well, I think there's lots of things wrong with being a capitalist, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being a capitalist and also being charitable, right? So you're less of a dick that way. Um, and if you don't need it, then don't use it and help other people. There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, surprisingly, I listened to a podcast uh, that uh, if you give, your serotonin goes up in your brain and that's what makes you feel good. So if you give, you'll feel fucking great um, and it'll help during this time. So this is a great time to be giving, especially if you're stressed out. Um, because apparently when you're doing charity and giving the serotonin's releasing your brain and you actually feel better. Um, it's, and, and I guess if the serotonin is making you feel better and you're feeling better all around, then you're going to be healthier, I guess. So giving, giving to other people makes you healthy and then you don't need to exercise. I'm just kidding. You should still exercise. All right. I'm not going to do a podcast this week just because I'm trying to limit the podcast as much as I can to about 45 minutes as we kind of go through this new model and, and get better at this, uh, at the podcast and the changes that we're making to it. But, but I do want to talk a little bit about saving and money management because I did hear a podcast and I'm not going to play it, but I did hear a podcast and it did talk about getting your kids involved with money, especially if you have a family business. Um, and, and just in general, we don't teach it in the financial, we don't teach it in our current education system and that's a tragedy. And so I want to uh, just talk about some things that I think that you could do with your kids and give you a resource here. So we'll be right back. So I have been, when I was 18, I worked for, um, I think it's called Mace Rich. I think that's the name of the company now. It own, I think that's, I don't know, the company that owns malls. I don't know what it's called. Who cares? But I worked as a security officer in the mall when I was 18. Um, and I, 18 or 19? Yeah, 18 or 19. Anyways, it was a while ago. 2003-ish, I guess, um, for Arrowhead Mall. In Glendale, Arizona, amazing Glendale, Arizona, but uh, and uh, we volunteered for this organization called Junior Achievement, and when uh, and Junior Achievement focuses on financial literacy and education for children. So they have a curriculum for each grade level, and the volunteers go into that grade level and teach that curriculum. So, like second grade, you learn about uh, you learn about the. Um, you it so so for second grade for an example you learn about the assembly line i can't think of the word assembly line i wanted to say supply chain but that's not right um assembly line and you learn how to make donuts and so you make donuts on this assembly line like paper fake donuts and we would bring donuts in to the classroom um when we we when me and my wife teach it and so and so 
I learned about this company back in 2003, and so they teach all these financial and entrepreneurship skills to children. And then come 2012, um, so this is uh, 2012, that's like, what, 10 years, um, nine years later, I decided to get involved with it uh, with the bank that I worked at, and I eventually became a board member for Junior Achievement of Arizona, and I, it's one of the greatest, you know, opportunities of my life. And I really enjoy it and I still enjoy it, but it just, you realize, you realize that children don't know some of these important skills. And now I don't necessarily think that for, for a life skill, this is but beyond what's most important. Do I personally think children should go to school and get into college education? Absolutely. Do I think that that's going to make you wealthy? Fuck no. Has, in my opinion, has God freaking goddamn nothing to do with fucking anything around wealth. It is about being an articulate person, just like I just articulated, <laughs> being an articulate person, being cultured, having a good understanding, hopefully learning a foreign language, um, understanding geography, understanding history, understanding calculus, building good, building good humans is what the purpose is. And we've polluted it and made it for profit about just going there to get a fucking job and be wealthy. So I was listening to a podcast on with Gilbert Godfrey podcast a while ago, and he had Tim Robin, not Tim, uh, not Tony Robbins, Tim, Tim, God damn it. What's his name? The guy from Shawshank Redemption. I'm going to be so mad here in a second when I pull this up. Shawshank Redemption. Has Tim Robbins. Okay, so Tim Robbins um, has a uh, uh, was in Shawshank Redemption. She also has a really good podcast. I wish I could remember. I'm not going to look it up right now, but just go look up Tim Robbins' podcast, and it's just a um, set. It's like a satire podcast where it just makes fun of Trump. It is fucking hilarious and um Patton Oswald's in it and he is fantastic and the way they recorded it is fantastic and everything about it is just fantastic go check it out but Tim Robbins father used to say there's nothing worse than talking to an uneducated actor and his father was an actor Tim Robbins was an actor I believe his mother was a musician and so they were in the performing arts for their whole careers and I think that that's a really good way to look at it is that there's nothing worse than talking to someone who is uneducated. And it's not so it's not so much that you think less of them, right? I don't know about Tim Robbins. I don't think his dad did. Everything that I've read about Tim Robbins and his family and his father, nicest people ever. But the the, the point is that you need to go to college so you are you have a a, a good understanding about the whole world. And Gary Vay had or Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V has this thing where he says, well, if you want them to be cultured, have them go around, you know, go travel through Europe. I think that they should go travel through Europe. I think they'll learn a lot. But I also think there's something important about learning learning in our education system and learning in college. Okay. So that's that's apart from the life the the life skill of financial education. If we're going to tell say that college and education should be about that and not just about pumping out workers, then we should be bringing financial education into the system. And that's one of the main things that I want to do for our state of Arizona is make it mandatory that that the children that are leaving high school have some type of good financial education in place on their understanding of it. And that includes budgeting, that includes checking accounts 
accounts, savings accounts, credit cards, debit cards, how interest works, how interest is compounded, how investments work, how mutual funds work, what a 401k is, you know, what it looks like to have a profit and loss statement, how assets work, how liabilities work. There is nothing wrong where they can't have one fucking semester of that class and we add that into the curriculum. The idea probably would be that it would take money. And you know what? I'm fine with paying fucking more money for that. And you should be fine paying more money for that too, because then we have fucking financially smart people going out in the world and making decisions. And those decisions overall are going to better our community, our communities and cities and states and government and whatever, and people in general. So there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. And so when I look at the education system and I look at my niece and I'm and looking at the things that her parents aren't teaching her about finance and it's and it should be their responsibility but you can't necessarily blame them if they weren't ever taught that stuff themselves right so you can't get mad at the parents for not teaching the children if the parents didn't have that understanding because their parent you know because if a parent starts off not knowing, then you don't know what you don't know. So you can't teach it to the next generation. You can't teach it to the next generation. And that can just be frustrating. So I encourage all of you to A, reach out to Junior Achievement, see if there is Junior Achievement in your area and become a part of it. So there's Junior Achievement nationwide. There's Junior Achievement of Arizona. There's Junior Achievement of Utah, of Colorado, of Texas, of all the places, right? And try to get involved with financial education in your and financial literacy in your area, Okay. Um, but what are some of the things that you can be doing now? Well, one of the things that you can be doing is if you go to successful generations and I'm going to have the download link in my, in the bio, the bio to this episode or in the description of this episode. And, um, her name is in the freaking website shut down on me. Hold on one second. So successful generations, okay, for the next generation of family leadership, there is a woman. Um, she is an amazing woman. She has an amazing podcast, Ellie Frey Zagel. I think I used her podcast a couple of weeks ago when I found out about it. It's called the Successful Generation Podcast. It is fantastic. She seems amazing. She is the third or fourth generation from a, a, a gentleman or a family that had a bank. And I don't want to get the story wrong. So I'm not going to say what bank it is. Go to the website, Successful Generations, and look it up. But she has a fantastic guide here. Um, it's called Raising Financially Smart Children. There is a uh, a free guide that you can go to that will help. And then there's also 52 activities for raising financially responsible children. And like some of these are super easy. But if you have them all in one place, that's amazing, right? So like one of them, rule number nine, I have it up right here. Create a budget together. This could be as simple as shopping for groceries or budgeting for a trip. The point is to create a budget and show how to stick to it through your purchases. Number 10, connect money with credit. Help kids understand early on that plastic cards don't magically pay for our purchases. Now, I think they pay magically pay for our purchases, but we don't want our kids to think that. Um, um, 23, show that giving is fun. Participate in something like the ice bucket challenge. Demonstrate that being, I don't know if that's still a thing. I don't know when this was made. Demonstrate that being philanthropic can be fun and show your kiddos how it can make you feel like part of something bigger than yourself. And I think that that's one, uh, you know, I, I really like that one. Now, not only does that show you that have the importance of giving, but it, it, you can relate it back to like, okay, well, we have this much that we can give. What is it that you want to give to that you believe in? And you can start understanding that as you get more and more wealth, it's more and more important to give. 
even if it's just for tax shelters, I was, you know, I had a client that I was talking to about a donor advised fund, and I actually learned more about donor advised funds on this podcast, I believe, with uh, Ellie Freizagel. Ellie Freizagel? I'm probably pronoun. I am the worst person at pronouncing words. Maybe I should go back to college. Um, Ellie Freizagel um, is, uh, she was talking to someone about a donor advice fund because they have a family foundation and I don't know if they have, she has a personal donor advice fund, but I was talking to my client and he was like, well, the main reason why we have it is that it is for tax, you know, tax sheltering um, because they did a big, a big buyout of partners and they received a larger sum of money. And with that sum of money, they went ahead and put it in a donor advice fund so they can come off the top and they don't have to pay for taxes and they call it a loophole or whatever. But if it's legal, if it's legal in tax code, I don't personally think of it as a poll. I think of it as understanding the tax code, which we make so much more complicated. But either way, it goes and it helps good people or helps people and whatever. Um, so I think that that's a really good one. But uh, um, let's see here. Learn from each other. Your kids have a lot to teach you about philanthropy and how their generation does it. Ask them how their friends are giving and volunteering and maybe try something new. Uh, oh, create a giving budget. That's actually a good way to teach them about budgeting. Um, let's see. Activities for older kids. Practice with a debit credit card. Equip your older child uh, uh, with a debit credit card. Set expectations. And that's something that we're going to do. In fact, I would say that the best thing that you can do is start getting them into the habit of banking, keeping a, a check register. And everybody thinks I'm crazy because I still keep multiple, multiple check registers. But that's how I manage all of the money um, for multiple businesses um, and, and our personal accounts that we have at different places. And so I think getting them a savings account is one of the best places to start. I think the next place to start is getting them used to debit and credit cards um, usage. I don't think that there's anything wrong with a teen having access to a credit card as long as they're not going and spending it because it allows you to teach them a lot about having access to those funds. Um, so, and that actually to that point, I'm not even sure. Yeah, I guess you can have an authorized teen user for your credit card. I've never had any children, so I've never had to really worry about it or thought of, think about it. Um, and so, you know, so that's one of the big things that we're going to be doing is getting our niece that's living with us a checking account so that I can give her money for her chores and for school um, because she's gotten her grades up and showing her that working hard can pay off. Um, and so... So that would be the, the best places to start. But I think after that, it's really important to have conversations with them with their young about how much it is to pay for college and having a plan in place to pay for that college and whether or not you're going to help them with that. So, and it's difficult because if you don't have, when it comes to teaching your kids about the cost of college, it's interesting because you don't know if you are not on the right path for your finances, then do not worry about paying for other people's college. That is that is what I believe. If you are on right for just your traditional retirement, nothing crazy wealthy, but like you are on plan to have your, you know, two or three million dollars into retirement, which, you know, 
may or may not be a lot of money when we get there, um, depending on how old you are, then I don't think there's anything wrong with paying for your child's education. If you are not on track with that and you don't have your finances in order, then you shouldn't be setting that money aside for your kid. They can deal with it, but you need to have that conversation with them as soon as possible so they can understand that they may need to work harder in high school. They may need to work harder, you know, um, to get grants and scholarships and to pay for that. You have to be open with them. You have to understand how it works. You know, unfortunately, my wife never went to um, college out of high school. She has taken some college courses. She has a trade degree, but she never went to college, you know, traditional college um, because, because, uh, because she didn't have the money for it and no one around her and her her influences knew that she could go and that she could get grants and she could get scholarships and she could get any of that stuff. And in your mind, you might be thinking, well, why didn't she look for it herself? Well, some people just don't. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why I think parents need to make sure that we're we're educating ourselves so that we can educate our children so that they don't make those types of mistakes, Right. And so, so it's important to, that they start understanding this. It's really important also, too, that they understand stocks and how investments work and what a bond is. And it just, it, it's not even a lot of stuff when you think about it. You could cover it all in one semester at school. If you had a whole year to teach it at school, be freaking ridiculous. And that actually might be the reason why it doesn't get mandated. You know, the other, so schools aren't mandate. So there's not a, a federal mandate that the schools have to teach this. So it's up to the states. And so from my understanding, and I could be wrong, if I'm wrong, Twitter me or whatever, uh, tweet me. And so, so it's important, you know, if, if, um, and that, so because there's not a great deal that you have to go in depth about to make someone financially, um, you know, literate, you know, that might be why we're not putting the money into it. But it's something that we should, the state should be putting the money into. And you should be writing to your council. You should be writing to your state board. You should be writing to your state education board to see if they can start putting this into place because those things need to be put into place. And I'm talking from a academic level, not from the fucking crazy ass Robert Kiyosaki stupid level, even though Robert Kiyosaki has done well, I'm just saying that from an academic way, from an academic understanding from it, he is explaining it accurately, but wrong. And the perfect example is assets and liabilities, um, assets. If it's not bringing in cash flow, it's not an asset. Well, that's not definite the definition of an asset, but in a business, when you're looking at it from a business perspective, you look at all of your assets and you calculate what kind of return you're getting on those assets from the income that you're getting or the profit, the revenue that you're getting or the profit that you're getting. So, uh, so from that perspective, yeah, he's accurate. But if you're teaching that consumers about their consumer balance sheet, it doesn't really make much sense, but people should be going out and trying to find assets that are generating them income and don't have liabilities attached to them so that you can get the appreciation from it and have all of the equity in it. But that's a completely other podcast, so I apologize that I went on a rampage there. It just makes me angry because people are in, incorrectly educating people when there is nothing wrong with, with still selling your thing of whatever it is and educating people properly. You're using these things as a hook, and I think that that's the problem with it. In fact, I just did a podcast, a, a TikTok today about compound interest because everybody and their mother's talking about freaking compound interest and compound interest is the simplest freaking thing ever. Now, calculating the annuity compounded, that's a little bit more difficult, um, which an annuity would be a, uh, not in the sense of the annuity when, well, I guess in the annuity because it's the same payment 
consistently. So, so that calculation is a little bit different, but interest on interest is just what compounding is. And people try to take a hold of something and rebrand it so that they can sell it. And whether or not that, whether or not they're helping people isn't the point. The point is that we need to see things for what they are and know things for how they are. And that's what actually makes us better individuals. And again, that's just my my personal opinion. But we need to be making much, we need to have much stronger financially independent children (laughs) and they need to have a a better financial IQ and not only just a financial IQ from a business perspective, but just the regular financial IQ about how savings account works, what a certificate of deposit is. And you could teach all of that in one year. So as a family, what you should be doing this around this time is putting a strategy together to find out where your family is on their understanding of finances and what that plan looks like to where we need to be. Having conversations with our teenagers, with our kids, asking them what they know about money because they do know stuff. And they don't just random, some kids randomly do, but most kids don't randomly just go off and spit off information. Sometimes I'll ask my niece something that I don't think she knows and she knows and it just blows my mind. Like, how did you know that? Well, they do know stuff and they have thoughts about stuff and they do listen to parents apparently. And so it's important that you ask them about their understanding of money. How do they think they're going to make money? What is the way that they think that they should be making money? Because they shouldn't just be making money from just going and getting a regular job. And they should be doing that if their career you know, requires that um, and what they want to do. And they say, well, I just want to work for this company. That's okay. But maybe like, well, I want lots of money and I want to work for myself. Get an idea of what they want and then help them with those things. Um, there's also, there's also, so the, one of the biggest resources again, is this 52 fun activities for kids. I would also reach out to junior achievement, see if junior achievement is in your schools. If you are a donor, donate to junior achievement, help them get junior achievement programs into your schools. Um, it does cost quite a bit of money. Um, for the school, the school has to pay for the junior achievement program. And, but you, if you, if you want to donate, it's dollar for dollar for on junior achievement donations, at least in Arizona, you'll have to check your local chapter. Um, but you donate up to $800, you get that back as a credit at the end of the year. Um, and I think that getting junior, like one of my lifelong dreams and goals is to get junior achievement into every classroom um, and to have my own family junior achievement day where all of my family goes in and teaches the classes. Uh, so I uh, would really recommend you going in and um, uh, getting involved with junior achievement and trying to sit down and put a plan in place on where your children should be with their financial education. And you might even find that your aunts and uncles and your grandparents and your parents, they need some of that financial education. One of the things that I feel that we have gone so far astray from, and especially me, and this is the reason, this is a reflection on myself, is, you know, having involvement with family. I see some of the decisions that my family makes, and I'm like, man, I wish that we had some type of meeting once a year that we could talk about that. And that's why family enterprise has become so amazing to me. You know, I was talking to my cousin Jackie and I told her that I want the family to be more involved with Age of Radio, and she's just so excited. She would love to help with Age of Radio, and she would help with wherever she could. 
Um, but you know, it may be, so that, that brings that family in. And I think that that's one of the things we don't feel such a a closeness to certain, to, to culture and traditions is because we don't have that family bondness. And that's because it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of anger to work through. If you have problems with your family members and a lot of fear, and there's just all of this stuff that's incorporated in that, that we just, we just don't build those strong family relationships. And that's one of the big things that I want to do for next year. So, but you know, I, again, I encourage you to sit down with your kids, um, there's also in this resource, this resource is great. There's even a spot in here, Books to Read, Raising Financially Fit Kids by Jolene Godfrey, Flying High by Julian Edelman. There's even a freaking Give, Save, Spend with the Three Little Pigs book in here. In fact, I'm going to get that for my niece. I think I'm, I'm going to go and buy that right now. Not for my teen niece, but for my little nieces. You know, because the sooner you get them, the sooner you get kids to see the material, the sooner it starts to stick, and the sooner they have more questions about it, and the sooner you can start having conversations about it, and then you can make, you can raise financially fit children, and that helps the community so much. That's why I don't see why it's not part of our school system. That's the reason why it should be part of our school system, because it makes it makes smart and smart adults that have the ability to make good decisions. And that's what's important. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening today. You know, I'm going to wrap it up here. I know that these podcasts are have been changing over the years. Just stay with me. I hope that you continue to come and, and you're getting some little nuggets and some of this stuff of me rambling. We have a lot of stuff that we're working on. So I, I appreciate you. I hope you're making it through to the end, um, please reach out to me at jeremy.quintania at ageofradio.org or on Twitter at Age of Jeremy if you want, if you have any questions, you know, I, I want to start the conversation. Um, and and again, you know, listen to Age of Radio podcasts. We have over a hundred of them, ageofradio.org. If you want to start a podcast, reach out to me, reach out to Joey, joey.galvez at ageofradio.org. We are building a, a media empire that's starting with podcasts. And we hope that you want to be a part of it because we're the coolest podcast network that's out there, hands down. I know that's a little narcissistic, but it's true. I just think of all the other podcast networks. I'm like, nothing's as cool as us. Maybe the Nerdist. Okay, I'm going to put the Nerdist. Nerdist is pretty cool when it comes to like geeky coolness. But we just started, Joey and I just partnered, Hinge Radio partnered with Joey Galvez to bring the Geek Collective. So my goal is going to be what Joey's goals are because it's his, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to inspire Joey to make it like the nerdist and make it just amazing. And I know that we can do it because when you, when you put your mind to it and you're willing to work for it through all of the hard events and all the crazy stuff that comes up, you become successful. I know it because I've done it multiple, multiple times. Um, so All right. Well, I will talk to you guys next week. We will have a podcast next week, next Wednesday. We're moving these to every Wednesday. I got my schedule organized, recording this on Tuesday, bringing you some news, bringing you the stuff. And I'll also have some podcast podcast clips on here for some new podcasts to listen to next week. I just really wanted to uncover the, the stimulus bill. So go ahead and rate this on your podcast app if you can, and you'll hear that again in a second. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to The Age of Jeremy. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. If you can do me a favor, please rate this podcast if your podcatcher allows you to. Talk to you soon.